Welcome to the Hoopologist Podcast. My name is Safe Basaria. My name is Shaban Samani. And I'm Asad Lalani. And listener, it's been it's been a little bit. The NBA Finals ended, and we kind of just decided we're going to take a little bit of a break. We were going to do the lottery, um, but the last two years, we've done pretty piss poor at the lottery. So I think we decided, you know what? We'll just skip that, and we'll just take a little break, and then we'll do hey, free agency. Speak for, speak for yourself. Kaze and I had one, right? One in two years is still pretty <laughs> close to piss poor, my friend. Anyway, at the hoopologist on instagram and twitter and the hoopologist podcast on youtube is where you can find us on socials today we're gonna do the free agency frenzy that we've seen um obviously listener there's a ton of trades a ton of rumors a ton of i would like to be traded requests apparently um we're not going to be able to cover all of it today otherwise we would be here for multiple days and listener you would get tired of hearing us plus let's be honest you probably heard a lot of this from wherever you get your basketball news otherwise. So instead, what we're going to do is a similar thing that we did last year. If you were around for the free agency frenzy episode, we've kind of just broken into categories, talking about some of our favorite signings, some of our least favorite signings, some of our best fits, some of our worst fits um, in the hopes to kind of create a more creative way of discussing the NBA free agency as it's been before that, let's talk about some of the big trades because there's been some big trades. The first of which actually happened before the draft. Shaban rather celebrated, followed by absolute dismay, sadness, and depression. Uh, or at least that's what Mavs Reddit would like you to believe. They traded for Christian Wood, and by they, I mean the Dallas Mavericks. And in return, they sent Houston the 26th pick, which turned into Wendell Moore. They also traded Sterling, Gra- Sterling, Brown. Sterling Brown, Marquise Chris, Boban, and Trey Burke. Uh, Shaban, at the time and even now, how do you feel about this trade? And let's keep it as quickly as possible. All right, I'll keep it brief. I feel fucking great. Uh, we, we finally got a big man that can rebound, who can run the pick and roll, who can run the pick and pop, and we can actually just leave him alone in the post and he can he's able to create. And the best part is, is that we got him for free. We gave... Houston, a bunch of assets that we didn't even play in the playoffs, including like Boban, I'm going to miss dearly, but hey, Boban, I hope you get flipped to another team and I hope that team cuts you so that you can come back to the Mavericks this season. But aside from that, we gave a bunch of salary filler for a potential core piece to this offense. And I believe that that automatically makes it a win and Dallas is already a better team than they were last year. Uh, For the most part, I agree with what you said. They got him for free, which is obviously nice or damn near free. Boban was really the only cost. And that first round pick, the 26th pick, which uh, I think it's fair to say the Mavericks in the last couple of years haven't really drafted all that well anyway. Um, So it's not really the end of the world if this first round pick didn't end up with them. Instead, Houston who has basically been hoarding young players and picks over the last multiple years, got a player who I assume they like very much. Also, obviously, on the Houston side of things, real quick, how do you feel about it? Did you like it? How did the city feel about it, or how did the fan base feel about it since you're a little more in tap with Houston? I think the fans knew this was coming. Rockets Twitter obviously was on the Christian Wood trade machine for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, terms of, in terms of the get, I think it's fine. Give it an average. Um, I don't think that they're going to be keeping a lot of these guys that probably will get cut at some point along the way or waived or kind of let them go play for another team. 
the pick the pick was nice, and what Houston did was trade that to Minnesota, and they got the 29th pick in return, and they took Ty Ty Washington, who they liked out of Kentucky. You know, we talked about Ty Ty in our our March Madness episode, and he was a potential even lottery pick at one point, but it you know his stock kind of dropped after the tournament, and Rockets believe that they got a steal where, where they got Ty Ty. So you know that's kind of TBD to see like, if that if that paid off you know but Houston was never going to pay Christian Wood we had to get him out of here at some point um the in division trade I don't love uh we would, send him, would likely have wanted to send him somewhere else uh instead of a team that we're going to pay like well like four times a year so like you know it is it is what it is but or two times a year I guess but even then you know it's not it's not the best but good luck to Christian Wood uh hope he hope he plays well for Dallas and you know, let's see what the, the Rockets do with, with Trey Burke, Marquise Chris, and a slew of some of these guys. Cool. Uh, moving on to the next one, the Hawks traded for DeJounte Murray from the Spurs, as well as Jake Lang- Landale, who they ended up flipping a little bit later. So really, DeJounte Murray is obviously the big get here. Um, in return, they gave the Spurs Gallinari, who looks to be bought out or will be bought out by the Spurs. Uh, in the next few days or so, they got a, a 2023 first round pick from the Charlotte Hornets, a 27, sorry, 25 and 27 first round picks from the Hawks, as well as a 2026 pick swap. So we're looking at three first round picks as well as a swap for DeJounte Murray is essentially the breakdown of this trade. Um, this is kind of a bank on DeJounte Murray and Trey Young being able to work together. Trey Young needed to play a little more off ball. Um, now they bring in a ball handler who is very, very good and also a very good defender for his size. You know, funny enough, DeJounte Murray, I feel like he plays bigger than he is because I ended up looking up his height. He's only six, four. I thought he was bigger than that. So us quickly thoughts on this trade. Uh, and then let's get out of here. Yeah, I I really really like this move by Atlanta. We you know obviously are banking on the fact that we're the those picks the unprotected picks that we gave up are going to be high first rounders uh, or late first rounders, yeah. given that the team the team is going to be high like, like I guess you know what I yeah, mean yeah 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 high high in the order sure yes high 20, yeah twenty so is like, what we're hoping for obviously yeah exactly the, the Hawks are going to be in playoff contention every year where those those picks aren't going to matter as much and you know we, we won't get burned mm-hmm. but. You give we put somebody like DeJounte next to Trey who can kind of mask the Trey's defensive weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And honestly, DeJounte averaged, I think, 19, 8, and 8 last year. Mm-hmm. He could average the same exact stats with Atlanta uh, in this next upcoming season. So, you know, his playing time is not going to change. His role, you know, not is not going to change that much except for he was not going to have the he's not going to be the main primary ball handler like all the time, but he will still get a lot of that run with the second unit. And I think it'll be really, really good for Trey. Uh, and this entire Hawks team. All right. Did DeJounte Murray with 9.2 assists per game last season with the Spurs, you know, one can only wonder what kind of damage he's going to do with this Atlanta offense. This Atlanta offense being specifically being the second best offense in the league last year. Um, Moving on to the Celtics. The Celtics ended up acquiring Malcolm Brogdon and in return, they sent the Pacers, Daniel Tice, Nick Stauskas, Malik Fitz, Juwan Moore, Aaron Neesmith, and a 2023 first-round pick. Um, this is fantastic for this for the for the Celtics, and I hate to say that as a Laker fan, I would love for them to have lost this trade. There is no world in which they lost this trade. Basically, they traded off Aaron Neesmith, who is a quality player in the NBA and still very young and totally worth 
the Indiana Pacers to attempt to develop, as well as a 2023 first-round pick, which if the Celtics are anything like they were this past year, a pick in the 20s is basically what they just sent away. For Malcolm Brogdon, who, yes, injury-prone as he may be, is a fantastic guard off the bench, and they needed playmaking, they needed good shooting, they needed good defense, and he does pretty much everything rather well. He's basically a better Derek White um, minus maybe a little bit worse on defense, but still an above average defender. Malcolm Brogdon for damn near free is solid for Boston. I think a huge, huge get. Um, you're basically taking the Peyton Pritchard remnants that Boston was obviously given to Peyton Pritchard and replacing them with Malcolm Brogdon, who is obviously a better basketball player right now than Peyton Pritchard has been in his career so far. So I think this is a huge win for Boston. Uh, for Indiana, I mean, the question is always like, is this really all you could get? But Basketball teams aren't generally stupid, bar the next trade we're going to talk about. But generally, basketball teams are not stupid. And so the assumption is they chopped them around, and this was actually the best they could get, or damn close. So I guess this is all they could get from Malcolm Brogdon. Also, real quick, your thoughts on this trade? Yeah, Pacers got a bunch of young players, a bunch of young pieces, projects that they could take a shot at. And given Malcolm Brogdon's injury history uh, and you know just his age and kind of his the way he played, like they don't really, you know, they don't need a guy who can give them wins, which Malcolm Brogdon can do. Everyone is, is jumping on the Victor, the Victor tank train and the Pacers are right there in front. So, you know, for the Pacers, it, it made sense. Uh, and they get a bunch of young guys. They'll take, they'll see who they can develop. They'll see if it's worth it. Um, and that's, that's about it. And listener, if you're not I, fully aware of what's going on, uh, Victor Wenbenyama is a French young player who's projected to be the first overall pick this year. That's a big, that's what I was referring to. And, uh, and a lot of teams in the next few days or weeks will continue to do moves that allow them to be worse. Uh, because apparently this is the best prospect we've had since LeBron James. I, is that, is that okay? I knew he was good. You know what? I read it on, I, 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 I want to give a name to it, but I can't, but I 100% read this on the front page of ESPN. This is quoted by a definite writer of ESPN. Um, so not to say that he or she is wrong. It's simply that that is very high praise uh, uh, for, for any player, right? To be the best projects, prospect since LeBron James. Mm-hmm. There's been a hell of a, a few first round pick or first overall picks that have been pretty good since LeBron James. Um, and this is the guy that's supposed to be better than them all. So, okay, yeah. I guess we'll see. Yeah, I'll just take that with a grain of salt. We 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 once called Andrew Wiggins the next LeBron James at one point. Yeah, I uh, well, yeah. yeah, that's fair. But like, think about it. We've had some good first overall picks since LeBron freaking James. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Dwight Howard was the first overall pick. Kyrie. Kyrie was the first overall pick. Anthony Davis was the first overall pick. Zion, pretty good so far, first overall pick. Yeah, uh, went healthy. So, like, to say that this is definitely the best guy since LeBron is definitely high praise. And I mean, maybe he is. We're going to have to find out. It's going to take time. Either way, whatever he's, team is taking real quick, wants a shot. He's 7'3", can shoot, can pass, and play defense and dribble. Like, yeah. he's got the complete package, and he's seven foot fucking three. So, yeah, But he already weighs less than me. And he's a foot and a half taller. That's a problem. Okay, but so, he'll he'll get some muscle on him. That happens to everybody. It's happened. Like we we talked about this with with Chad with this past draft. We've talked about it with Giannis and Bede. Like a lot of guys who come into the league skinny. But for every guy that, that that comes in skinny and works out, there's also another guy who comes in skinny and doesn't work. So it is a bit concerning, at least. Uh, it doesn't mean that he shouldn't be taken or shouldn't you shouldn't tank for the guy. It's just that let's not act like these aren't some 
concerns. Anyway, oh, let's talk course. about the most absurd trade, and then we really have to get to free agency. Um, the Minnesota Timberwolves acquired Rudy Gobert. Um, and if I told you that they traded basically five first-round picks and a few role players, you would either call me crazy or think that they acquired Kevin Durant instead. But they acquired Rudy Gobert. Uh, and the package was Walker Kessler, who was the first over, or sorry, first round pick for the Minnesota Timberwolves this year. I believe he's like 22 or 23 uh, pick in the draft. Patrick Beverly, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, and then the 2023, 25, and 27 first round unprotected picks of the Minnesota Timberwolves, as well as a 2029 protected pick. Uh, I believe top five protected is what was sent over to the Utah Jazz. They got a hell of a haul. And my only question, whether you like the trade or not, my only question to Minnesota was, who the hell were you competing against? Who was offering even close to what you sent? They sent the equivalent of five first-round picks, if you include, obviously, this year with Walker Kessler being that first-round pick. Um, and then, you know, two decent rotation players who likely might get reflipped at some point, or maybe they'll just play him out. And then a nice young player in Jared Vanderbilt, who's at least a good defender in the NBA could potentially become something who knows, um, all for Rudy Gobert, who is 30 years old. And in the year 2024 and 25 NBA season, he will make $47 million. The only question I have, Asad, are they even top two? in the Western Conference to go to the NBA Finals after this trade? Fuck no. There's so then, no. So then why make this trade? No. What's the purpose of making this trade here? I I don't, yeah. I The the point that you made about who they're competing against is really valid. I can't think of any single team would be offering that much, let alone three unprotected first-round picks. The fact that even one of those was given up, like, in, in actually two, like, Atlanta did it, and now Minnesota did it in this free agency. Like, that doesn't happen. Teams are deathly afraid of that and will only do it if they really truly believe that, like, it's going to be worth it. And obviously, Atlanta took that gamble. Minnesota's taking this gamble now that they can play Towns and Gobert together, uh, and it'll just magically change their world, and they'll be, like, a top two, top three team in the West. But I just don't, I don't see that. Gobert is not that good offensively to to justify that if he was a good <laughs> offensive player on his own, then, you know, it could, it could be I, worth it. I think but, Zuko Shaban's dog agrees that he is not that good. <laughs> Vehemently. Um, I think you're right, dude. He's, he's a good player. He's obviously a very good player. He's one of the best, if not the best defender in the NBA. Best interior defender in the league. No doubt. No sure. Doubt. Um, I can't imagine a world in which you trade four or five first round picks, especially by the way, Minnesota Timberwolves for you're not trading first round picks of a competent franchise, uh, regardless of new ownership or new GM or whatever it may be. This is Minnesota Timberwolves. You've been bad for basically ever. Um, so these picks matter and they are relevant and to trade four or five of them would imply that you're a finals team or a finals contender. And I still would not label the Minnesota Timberwolves either of those things after this trade has been made. Um, at least when you make a Anthony Davis trade, for example, you have LeBron James and you're probably going to make the finals. And by the way, they did end up winning one. So, you know, no harm, no foul. It is what it is. But when you make a trade like this, you would imply that you're going to go to the NBA finals. And, and Shaban, I would assume that you believe that they will not be going to the NBA finals after this Rudy Gobert trade. They will not. 
I mean, Barton uh, Anthony Edwards turning into LeBron James. <laughs> I mean, well, the thing is, like, they also gave up Malik Beasley, who is arguably one of their best perimeter defenders, and uh, he was a 40% three-point shooter for them. And they lost Josh Okogie, who was their actual best perimeter defender. Well, Josh Okogie walked in free agency. That's a different scenario altogether. They didn't trade him in this deal, right? Well, it just compounds the existing sure, scenario yeah. that, yeah, that they... Just, I don't, I don't see Minnesota being a better team this year than they were last year. Yeah, I sure, they'll be better. Gobert. I think they'll be yeah. better. Marginally, yeah. I don't they, know. They, fin- they finished, what, seventh and played in the, that play-in game. Oh, yeah, because Patrick Beverly... You know, jumped on the the, the <laughs> sideline like he won the fucking NBA they, championship. They were right. they were what and the they traded seed. his ass. Right, they they were what the eighth seed this past year. I would wager that they will be better than the eighth seed this year. So they definitely got better. Um, but you give a five picks, you're hoping you're a final team. Anyway, yeah. let's move on. We have so much to talk about in the free agency world because within look, what was it? Two years ago, the Bogdanovich to Milwaukee deal happened. Right, and it was announced basically right when the uh, the window opened to sign free agents or whatever, and then Milwaukee lost a first round pick, and then we're like, hey, maybe the teams will wait five extra minutes to make it look like less tampering. Nope, nope. As soon as the window opened this year, like a billion dollars, like quite literally a billion dollars was spent in forty five seconds. Uh, mm-hmm. So. Teams just don't give a shit about tampering. I don't blame them. I, it's more fun for me and, and you and, and listener. I'm sure you enjoyed it. But um, the way we're going to do this is we're going to start by talking about uh, players. We're going to talk about winners and losers from the free agency situation or when they sign contracts. The way I think we all decided to view this is players who either were paid more than they deserved or landed in situations that are good for them. And therefore, they are a winner. Is that fair? Is that is that kind of a fair assessment to both of you and how you saw this? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool. And from a loser standpoint, we just call this the Dennis Schroeder Award from now on because it makes me happy. A player who either did not end up making the money that they had initially hoped to or landed in a not great situation for whatever reason, which is kind of weird because they kind of choose their own contracts but or where they choose to sign, but whatever. Anyway, uh, a winner obviously is Jalen Brunson. Uh, it's pretty clear he was signed with the New York Knicks. Shaban, it's what, four years, 104 million sound right to you? 4104, yeah. Great. So 4104, he signed to uh, be coached by his father and uh, and work under the general manager who is the father of his agent. Uh, how that's he tampering. He may as well be his godfather. How that's not tampering, I will never ever understand. Whatever. I don't care. They're on an investigation for tampering right now. So Are they? Well, good. Yes. They probably should be considering. Oh, they, they, they hired it's... his dad to be an assistant <laughs> yeah. coach of the basketball team. Now, fair enough. His dad is an assistant coach in the NBA and has been and has worked under Tibbs, funny enough, in Chicago and in Minnesota. And Tibbs is also the coach in New York. So, like, there are reasons to also hire him but it doesn't hurt that his son was also a free agent like a few months after he was anyway, besides the point Jalen Brunson got paid. He got probably a lot more money than he otherwise would have gotten. If he had signed, for example, the what four year, $55 million contract that he asked for last summer from Dallas shop on that sound right to you as well. The numbers. Yeah. That's about the same as the Dorian Finney Smith contract. Yeah. And, and obviously he and his agent went and said, Hey, we'd signed for four fifty five. The Dallas said no for, I don't know what reason, um, and then he ends up waiting one year playing reasonably well, especially in the playoffs. And he makes quite literally double that. So I would call him a winner. 
Um, my only question, Shaban, to you might be, Luca entered the playoffs hurt, right? And he missed some time. And even when he came back, it took a few seconds for him to get back on his feet. And Jalen, during that time, looked incredible, like really, really, really good. So much so that Dallas ended up winning a game or two against Utah without their best player, Luka Doncic, because Jalen was a big part of that. If Luka doesn't get hurt coming into the playoffs, assume Luka is healthy. Does Jalen still get this contract and this much money, or is his playoff performance kind of leading to why he got this kind of number? So his playoff performance definitely inflated his value, especially the first few games of the Utah series where he just completely took over. Uh, I, But if Luka does start in the playoffs, I think he still goes to New York. I think he still gets a little overpaid, but not as much as what we're seeing right now. Not, not for 4104. I believe uh, I believe the number before was for like what 490. Yeah, like that was his number like it's kind of what I saw. That was the there. number that we were that was the number we were looking at pre-playoffs. Makes sense. So so he definitely so made himself he, a few extra bucks. Yeah, he he inflated his value by about 15 million dollars. So yeah, good, good credit to him. <laughs> Must be nice. Yeah, um, seriously. Yeah. Real quick from Couldn't me. Couldn't be yeah, me. Think, right. Also, real quick, what do you think? For the same reason that he they got paid this season, didn't get paid last season. It, it's like his playoff performance at the end of last year was pretty bad. He was injured, didn't really play, was not was not very good, blamed himself. Um, it was pretty hard on himself for you know why they, the Mavericks struggled in last year's playoffs. And he he took it personally and really worked on his game and obviously that contract now shows in that he deserved it. Um, and so that's a tough, tough pill for the mouse to swallow now, but in hindsight, looking at that point where how Jalen Brunson played at the end of last year, I like, I think that it's fair that they didn't pay him then because they didn't know what was going to happen this year and you never do know. So it sucks, but I see where the mouse came from last year. I mean, look, they, they got, Christian Wood for free, and they lost Jalen Brunson for free. I would call that a wash, more or less. Um, also, talk to us about a winner, a player winner that you feel, well, won for agency. Yeah, definitely the the biggest feel-good story of this free agency and Gary Payton II for the Warriors. So Gary Payton in and out of the league, the G League, uh, five to ten years You know that he spent with like seven or eight different teams playing on their – trying to make it to their NBA roster – and never really, you know, was made it through until the Warriors stint. And, you know, with the Warriors, he was able to su- – he succeeded in that system, uh, played really good defense, even made some threes. When people, like, you know, said that he wasn't a shooter and didn't really come into the league being a shoot, um, and he made him – he got himself, you know, a nice three-year, $26 million deal with Portland, life-changing money for him. Yeah, no uh, and, you know, he – nobody thought that he was going to get paid – uh, but he had that self-belief and worked his ass off uh, and he got it. So good for Gary Payton. Definitely a winner. Uh, and definitely happy for the guy. Uh, Shaban, you got a player winner, not named Jalen Brunson or Gary Payton. Gary Payton. I'll go. I'll go with the guy that uh, the Mavericks swapped out for him. Uh, I'll go with Christian Wood. Of course you Christian would. Wood. Christian Wood has. Uh, experienced sort of a breakthrough season or breakthrough couple of seasons. He's had brief stints in the early part of his career. Like he spent like a few games in Philly, Charlotte, Milwaukee, New Orleans. Uh, and then he, in Detroit, he got the starting spot after Andre Drummond got traded from there. And then from that, from that point, he just took off. 
And then he came to Houston uh, on a two-year deal with the pro- or was it no, not two-year deal, a four-year deal, where he was promised that he was going to be playing with elite-level playmaking talent in James Harden, and that didn't happen because James Harden wanted out. So they traded for John Wall, and that didn't happen because they ended up benching him for two years. So now Christian Wood finally gets to play in a winning system. He plays. He gets. To, he gets to play in a good defensive scheme, which you know, if you know Christian Wood throughout his career, he's not really known as a good defensive presence. And even with even playing like really bad, like playing in a really bad team, he's still a nightly double double. He's still like he still gets ten rebounds every night. He still shoots like forty percent from three. He still is able to get twenty points a game. Dallas is Dallas has desperately needed someone like that. And now he gets to play with someone of Luka Doncic's playmaking caliber. And it'll take a lot of pressure off. They'll take a lot of pressure off each other. And uh, Christian Wood will, should be able to flourish in Houston or not in Houston, sorry, in Dallas. And because he went from Houston to Dallas, he still doesn't have to worry about state income tax. I think Christian Wood is a huge winner. (laughs) I absolutely agree with you guys. This is the best situation of basketball he's played in his whole career so far. So good for him. Uh, what a win. Let's move on to the losers. And I, like I said, listener, this is the Dennis Schroeder Award, a player who either made less money than they assumed they would make in the open market, or they ended up in a situation that is probably not conducive for them. Uh, for me, the loser, and, and by the way, I have to say, guys, I had a little more trouble with this this year than I have in the last couple of years because I feel like generally players were okay. They got paid decent money um, or they ended up in good situations. But the one that sticks out to me most is definitely uh, TJ Warren, who ended up signing a minimum contract with the Brooklyn Nets. So to me, uh, he's a player that a year or two or even bubble TJ Warren in 2020 was definitely better than a minimum contract. He is not ultra old and he's still a good offensive player except for the fact that we haven't, played, we haven't seen him play basketball in a hot minute. Um, and he ended up in a Brooklyn situation, listener, you already know, is that absolute shit show right now. So either he'll be a good stats, bad team guy, assuming they trade Kyrie and Kevin Durant, or he likely won't get that much PT anyway and probably won't earn himself a crazy good contract next year. Uh, but you don't care about TJ Warren. You care about the next name on this list. Also, who's a loser so far at least? So far, I would definitely say that DeAndre Ayton has kind of dug a hole from himself, you know, based off of what happened last year uh, or the last this past season in the finals where, you know, we're in in their conference finals when Monty Williams comes out in game seven and, you know, being asked why did DeAndre Ayton not play that many minutes? You know, he says it's it's internal, you know, there and he was, you know, DeAndre Ayton did something or there was some beef that happened um, with his effort level, his communication that really kind of kind of spurned the Suns and kind of them off from, you know, re-signing him. And they've been actively shopping him and teams haven't really bitten uh, on DeAndre Ayton yet. You know, he's, he's a young enough player, number one pick where the Suns are hoping that some team will bite the Kevin Durant sweepstakes are in there. You know, if they can flip DeAndre Ayton for Kevin Durant, of course, that would be a massive win, but Brooklyn wants literally anything and everything for Kevin Durant, which is understandable, but you know, DeAndre Ayton not even being no, no serious, destinations you know at this point is is pretty surprising for a guy that prior to the playoffs was having and even for the early part of the playoffs was having a really good year 
I think DeAndre took Ayton took a fat L when Detroit ended up trading for Jalen Durden, the 11 overall pick, because I think DeAndre Ayton was pretty heavily linked to Detroit. And now they have three centers on the roster with Isaiah Stewart during the, the guy they drafted. And then they ended up getting Nerlens Noel in the salary dump from New York. They already have three centers. They're not about to pay DeAndre Ayton a max contract or anything similar. So yes, I agree with you. Unfortunately, so far he's a loser that could change, but right now it doesn't look so great. Shaban, who's your loser real quick from the player side. Um, and I think that you agree the sentiment. This is actually a little harder than I thought. Yeah, like I had to pick a guy that like didn't even get traded or anything or like didn't sign a massive deal yet, at least. Uh, I picked RJ Barrett as my loser because the Knicks just signed Jalen Brunson and Jalen Brunson and RJ Barrett play almost exactly the same. And... uh except Jalen Brunson is a better, like is just a more efficient scorer and ball handler as opposed to RJ Barrett. You know, he scored 20 points a game last season, but he didn't do so very efficiently. And it's been sort of a slow climb for him to get acclimated to the NBA. Meanwhile, Jalen Brunson just came off of a run with to the Western conference finals. He has a favorable standing with the coaching staff and the front office so you have to kind of wonder, is the writing kind of on the wall for R.J. Barrett? Because before we were talking about R.J. Barrett possibly signing an extension, there has been no news about that extension since Jalen Brunson got signed. They, they extended Mitchell Robinson to a four-year $60 million deal. They signed Isaiah Hartenstein to a multi-year deal. R.J. Barrett's kind of the, all, the odd man out here. And you would have to think, is like is new is he on the way out right now or is he in the unfavorable situation in the eyes of the coach and the coach in the front office i kind of find it hard to believe that rj barrett is seen negatively in new york my assumption is that he wants a max and new york's like we should give you a little less than a max and so they're like cool we'll just wait another year anyway even if he signed a max for example this summer he wouldn't get the max money right away it'd be another year until he started that new contract anyway. So I guess they're just like, hey, let's see how much you improve, and then we'll come up with a number that makes more sense for the both of us once it's all said and done. If he turns into an all-star caliber player, he'll get the max. If he doesn't, he might not. Um, because from his draft class, the only people we've, signed, we've seen sign an extension so far are the two guys picked ahead of him in Zion, and I believe Ja has signed a contract extension. Ja signed his max right? this offseason. Yeah. So like the first and second pick of that draft, I don't think anyone else from that draft has signed an extension anyway. So it's not as though it's the biggest slap to RJ's face. Uh, I think they're cool waiting it out another year before they give him whatever money he's due. Uh, so I kind of disagree with you, but I also understand where you're at, where Jalen Brunson probably doesn't make RJ better with the ball in his hands. Cause he's not going to have the ball as much. I don't know. We'll see. New York just seems like they got a hodgepodge of decent players. N nothing too crazy let's move on to the winners but like basketball teams what teams got better and then we'll talk about losers uh teams wise as well for me winner is very clear cut it's the milwaukee bucks they basically kept everything the same it, and by the way this is a team that we thought if healthy chris middleton they probably would have won the nba finals or at least gone to the nba finals they probably would have beat boston considering they didn't have chris middleton still took them to a pretty good series um and from there they kept everybody including bobby portis and then they just signed Joe Ingles, who actually I like a lot for them coming off the bench. Papa Joe, solid ball handler, can kind of create off the bench. It's a, kind of exactly what you need, a veteran who knows how to play ball. They didn't get worse. 
they actually got marginally better. So I think Bucks are winners simply by getting a little bit better. And I think that's really all you need to do here in free agency. Shaban, what do you think, man? Is there a winner that sticks out to you? Uh, a winner that sticks out to me, it's got to be Boston. Like Boston that's finally that's got you know, Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. They've done the best they can uh, take turns creating and improving with their passing. But they really truly lacked a real playmaking ball handling point guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, not saying that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can't create off the dribble. They certainly can, but it's definitely not their primary priority to create for others. They needed someone to have that separate responsibility. Marcus Smart tried to be that guy in the playoffs and he, he did what he did well, but he's just not an elite level playmaking talent. If Malcolm Brogdon is not an elite level playmaking talent, he's sure up there. And also the fact that he is also able to create his own shot off the dribble. Malcolm Brogdon, not that long ago, was in the 50-40-90 club. He's a very good three-point shooter. He's a very good finisher in the lane. And he's a very good ball handler, very good passer. This is, a, this is an absolute win for the Boston Celtics this offseason. And they got him for free. So, yes, you're absolutely yeah. right. The Boston Celtics, unfortunately, won. Also, who's your team winner? There's a, there's a couple of teams, I think, that that got big. The one I do want to shout out is like all the, all the teams that got their superstars to sign their max contracts. Cause that's always a big deal, right? That, you know, like the guys are up is for it? extension. Are they going to sign it? it? Are they not going <laughs> to sign it? But I mean, a lot of these guys, um, you know, that be more than others. Yeah. But like the, like Yoke, Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns, Zach Levine, John Moran, Darius Garland, all got right. their big max contracts. So definitely a win for all of those teams that they're keeping their, their core and their star pieces sure. intact. Uh, the one team that I, I definitely want to touch on is the Clippers. So the Clippers, obviously. Are, is that know. what we're doing? We're just going to torture Boston and the Clippers. Fuck you guys. Boston and the Clippers <laughs> in the same segment? Are you fucking yeah. serious? Are it, you it be like me? that sometimes. Look, man, look, you you focus on trying to trade Russell Westbrook for Kyrie. We'll talk about the Clippers for now. Okay. <laughs> I've resigned to the fact that it either does or doesn't happen based on if the earth is flat or not. And that's all I know. <laughs> Fair enough. The The Clippers basically brought back their entire team from last year. They're questionable of their free agents from last year. Nick Batum signed a two-year deal. Amir Coffey signed a three-year, $11 million deal. Uh, Zubac agreed to an extension. They still have Paul George. They still have Kawhi Leonard. They had a big trade in the, during the trade deadline to get Norman Powell and Robert Covington. You're getting Kawhi back this year. And then you pick up a point guard in John Wall, who was you know, stranded in Houston for a while, you know, gets bought out and signs a two year, $13 million deal to come play for the Clippers. And then you still have, you know, your entire roster uh, from the last season that played really, really well, given that it's missing. It was missing definitely one of its superstars. And if not two, since Paul George missed three, three and a half months of the season, and they still finished as an eight seed in the West. So I, know, dog. I think they lost because they lost Isaiah Hartenstein, one of the best backup bigs in the league. I think that's a big L for the Clippers, dog. What are you going to start, Zubak, and that's it? But they don't. The whole point well, for the Clippers is to play five out and play sense, small, and that's how they're going to fuck you up. Please sense the sarcasm. Okay. <laughs> Isaiah Hardenstein <laughs> is not the reason or is the reason for them to win an NBA championship, something they've never done in the history of that team, might I add to you. They got Luke Kennard. Who, who needs it? They're going to trade Luke Kennard for a bag of bones <laughs> at this point. 
They are so, I mean, look, but, Steve, poor Steve Bomber is going to have to start liquidating Microsoft stock for him to fucking pay the tax on this basketball team. But he'll do it. Steve Ballmer. Oh, of course he will. He's a, he's he's a maniac. Of course in. he will. He's one of the best owners of basketball. I hate it. <laughs> hey, the Clippers, the Clippers are moving to their own building. They're moving away from the, trying to get away from the shadow of the Lakers, the Clip, which I don't know if that's actually possible, but you know, it's not, trying. it's not possible in the city of LA. They should move to Seattle. That would be smart for them. Seattle Honestly, would though, love to hey, have them as a basketball team. Hey, you know, I just read a story about how LeBron's trying to own a team in Las Vegas. So, hey, oh, that's, time. that's that's coming. That's definitely when LeBron oh, retires. Hundred percent. Like two happening. years after that, it's happening. Yeah, it's it'll. There will be a, an expansion franchise in in Vegas for sure. It wouldn't shock me if they expanded the franchise in Vegas and LeBron played his last year on that team somehow, just to bring it in. Um. Anyway, let's go into team losers. Obviously, teams that lost be based on the signings that they made. Um. Shaban, do you want to start this segment? I'm afraid of what you'll say. So sure, I guess. <laughs> Okay, I I will say this team, but I will give the caveat that this is still up in the air. So then don't say it. Up- so then don't say it. Say it. Do it. Say, say the other one. Do it, Sean. <laughs> Talk it's about the other one. The, it's got to be the Lakers, right? Like- no, it's not. <laughs> We're doing fine. Thank you. I love <laughs> Thomas Bryant as our starting center. That makes me so fucking happy. <laughs> I'm ecstatic. Partial ACL tear recovery. <laughs> but yeah, like it's got to be the Lakers, man. I mean, I guess it, but like I, the reason I say it's up in the air because it really depends on what happens with Brooklyn and what they're going to do with that team and the fallout that's going to, the eventual fallout that's going to happen because the Lakers are very aggressive in trying to get Kyrie Irving. So if they do end up getting Kyrie Irving and get rid of Russell Westbrook, then hey, that that just throws everything out the window, right? They're automatic winners, when, like right when there. When was then the last I, time? I would put. It- oh, sorry, I, I just wanted to ask you a question real quick. When was the last time that you can remember that a player was on the trade block that basically nobody wanted, but if one team, and in this case the Lakers, acquired him, it turns them into championship contenders all of a sudden? Like, when was the last time there was a player like that? Kyrie is that polarizing that he's so good that apparently he turns the Lakers into championship contenders, right? But nobody wants him. Is that not when fucking weird? What'd you say? Yeah. When he plays. If well, he sure. plays. Yeah, well, I my assumption, and again, it is such an assumption with Kyrie Irving, um, which is like why I want him and also don't, because it's like, that that's a headache. And right now it's funny because he's not my headache, but he very well could become my headache rather soon. Um, My assumption would be that him and LeBron have talked. And yeah. that could be said about his best fucking friend, Kevin Durant, last year when he decided still not to play. I don't, I don't know. Why, why am I speculating? I don't know. Look, the Lakers so far, yeah, not the best free agency. I agree with you. I hate that you said it, and you just talked about the Celtics and the Clippers three seconds ago. So apparently it's fuck with safe day. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, I said, who's a loser? We'll Except talk about me, the... apparently. <laughs> we'll talk about the Spurs here. I, I think that DeJounte Murray, they, them giving away DeJounte Murray makes sense. Uh, in terms of their their their, their timeline, they weren't going to win a championship with this team. Um, I just felt like they could have gotten either either more or they. It just doesn't like in terms of like not just the picks, but like a, like a player like assets uh, in return, like other than like just picks. Because the realistically, 
like the Hawks picks are going to come later or you know, that's, that's the gamble. And that's what we're banking on, but they are fully accepting the tank mode, I guess. And they're playing that gamble of the lottery and trying to get into the top to, to get that new star piece. So I think in a similar boat with kind of where the Lakers are, like in terms of like, it's a TBD where you know, we'll see how this Kyrie situation plays out. If the Spurs end up getting Victor um, or, you know, like the high level star piece in the lottery, they will loser but given where they are now i think they're a loser i said say his last name say victor's last name Wembanyama. and that's why you keep saying victor i was like i had a feeling you were copping out for a reason his yes his last name is a bit difficult but don't worry we learned at tetecumpo we'll learn when Benyama if he's really that good you, yeah he could become a household name who knows i will uh, i will yeah. extend I will extend what Usad said, and I will say that this is specifically an L for Greg Popovich because I agree with that. Yeah, that's right, writing's writing's kind of on the wall for him, and like, he's probably going to retire either this season or next season. But it doesn't matter because the Spurs will not be contenders, and this this year, next year, or probably the year after that. So it's a really sad and tragic ending to Greg Popovich's coaching career as the winningest coach of all time, I believe. Hey, man, you never know. Maybe he finally goes and coaches another bat. I'm kidding. That's never going to happen. Uh, a loser for me, I think it's very, very clear. It is the Washington Wizards. They signed Bradley Beal to a five-year, $251 million contract. And prior to hitting record on this episode, we found out that that also included an absolute no-trade clause so when it comes time for Bradley Beal to ask out, which we all know that time will come, whether it be next summer or the summer after or whenever, um, he'll have a say where he goes and can absolutely say no at any given time. Um, I can't believe Washington agreed to that. I think the assumption simply was, hey, we'll pay you all this money so that you can definitely ask out in a year and then we'll still send you to exactly where you'd like to go. Even if there's probably no good trade package available at that point. Um, this is a huge L for Washington simply because Bradley Beal is being paid like a number one and he does not play basketball anything close to a number one. Uh, he is maybe a top 20 player in the NBA and he's basically getting paid like a top 12 or 15 guy in the NBA or at least a young prospect like a Jaw or Zion who could potentially become a top 15 player or 12 player or 10 player in the NBA if they aren't already. Bradley Beal is neither of those things and yet is getting paid like it. This makes no sense. And Washington simply should have been like, hey, we're actually just not going to resign you and you can go get money from somewhere else. And then he would end up in like Orlando or something. So the Wizards are losers. But surprise, Wizards fans, that's not a change from history. Enjoy that. We're going to move on to the best value contracts that have been signed so far. Um, I think the way that I went about this category is simply this player got this money in this situation, and it's really good for everyone involved, including the player, including the situation. So, Asad, start us off, man. Who's your best value contract? So, my best guy, well, I had, I had a couple, and we talked about them briefly. So, one being Joe Ingles signing a one-year flyer deal with Milwaukee. Love that. You know, $6.4 million one year. Mm -hmm. He's coming off an ACL tear. He's ACL tear. He's 35. But if he can be anything close to what he was with Utah, be a huge win with his playmaking abilities because the Bucks could definitely use that coming off the bench. And then even John Wall, right? Two-year, 30. John Wall's a nice, a nice 
player to have when you're not paying him 47 fucking million dollars. I mean, look, we don't know what John Wall is, but the way that they paid him, he could be what backup point guard. And it's still worth the number they gave him. Yeah. It was two years, $13 million. It's a very buy low kind of contract. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't played, he hasn't played basketball in like a, a year and older injury issues doesn't have that didn't have that same burst that he had in oh, Washington. Yeah, he hasn't played but, basketball since like 2013 or something like that. This <laughs> feels that way. I mean, it's been, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. I mean, credit to him. He's been like, even though he's been benched for pretty for God knows how long. Actually, you just said <laughs> you said credit but, credit to him. Like he wasn't getting paid forty plus million dollars to just go home. But and I mean, but no. No, but credit. No, I'm saying credit to him. Like he's actually been, you know, staying in shape and still doing this daily workouts, still doing his daily drills. Like he's still, he's still like in game shape and game, like game ready. Uh, even think, while like he was being sidelined for so long, he's, he's, he's a professional athlete. He's a professional athlete making millions of dollars. That's kind of like, my point. That's that's the least that that's you could the do, bare bro. minimum. Like, if like, you need me to stay in shape and get you, will give me even a million dollars. Fuck that. Even like forty thousand dollars, I'll do it right well, now. Well, that's because we're fucking broke ass like motherfuckers over here. <laughs> no, <man>. look, <laughs> look, look. You you're very very nice, Shabon, and I appreciate that about you. It's one of my favorite things about you. However. If I'm paying you $40 million, the least you can do is stay in shape. That's the bare minimum you could do. Um, then now that's that's asking a lot from certain basketball players, I know. But come on, get your shit together. Um, so you talked about John Wall and uh, Joe Ingles. Shaban, who are your best value contracts? Uh, I mean, you're going to hate me for bringing up the Mavs again, but Bro, it's there. We get it. You had a good fucking <laughs> summer. Your your subreddit acts like it's absolute the worst summer in human history and that way you should fire oh, and murder. It's it's actually so weird, the sentiment that you have about the Mavericks versus the majority. I take that back. The seemingly majority of your fan base that is different from your view of the summer. You had uh, a good summer and they're like, we hate everything. I, I read the subreddit. And I have to remember that I've been a Mavericks fan for longer than most of these kids have probably ever been born. So I've seen Dallas have some real shit off seasons. I was there. Like, we just won a championship in 2011. And what did we do? We blow up the team. That like that's that's our response. That's how we that's how we re-up. That like I would that comes nowhere near. Uh, like that's a whole, whole class of its own. But uh, this year we ended up getting JaVel McGee who for three, he signed a contract for three years, $20 million. However, they actually withheld some of his money in order to like withhold some of his money for the uh, mid-level exception. So his contract, when it hits the cap is actually more three years, 17 million. So at that point you're getting JaVel McGee for a little over $6 million a year who was the best defensive big man and the best team in the league last season. Uh, of course, in air quotes, because uh, they lost. But <laughs> And also the fact that, uh, to put it in perspective. Don't, don't talk all, about Jabil for the next seven minutes, okay? Come on. Come on, Sean. All right. To put, to put it in perspective, the second most efficient pick-and-roll role man in the NBA at 1.42 points per possession was Dwight Powell. And that should tell you something because Dwight Powell last year was fucking awful. Like he was <laughs> bonds. He didn't even get any minutes in the Western conference finals. He was that bad. 
Like he's probably good for two lobs in the first seven minutes of each game. And got, then got it. Got it. White Powell the sucks. The Mavs had a good summer. Shabon, we've talked about the Mavs 19 times today. I don't want to sit here and talk about the Mavs. It's not locked on Mavs. The, 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 bar, them, the bar is quite low for Mavs big men. Right. So. Right. I will go and be very quick. So, yeah. One of the best backup point guards in the league. His name is Tyus Jones. He signed a two-year, $30 million contract in a situation in which I think most people would have assumed that he was not going to stay in Memphis because he was going to cost more and it was going to be harder to keep around. Memphis kept him. He's solid. I like him a lot. And that's kind of it. I'm cool with the best, uh, the backups, or sorry, the best values. And that's kind of funny enough what we talked about. We talked about a bunch of bench players just now for the most part. Um, maybe JaVale might start. Um, but that's kind of it. Basically, everybody else will likely be a bench player unless John Wall turns into John Wall. That'd be cool. Worst value contracts. I'll be quick because I just talked about him. I think Bradley Beal is one of the worst value contracts. I think five years, $251 million for a player who's just simply not going to be the best player on a championship team is too much. I will move on very quickly. Um, Shaban, who is one of the worst value contracts? Uh, I have a feeling I know where you're going here. I mean, I'll be brief because we kind of talked about it earlier just uh, a few minutes ago. But yeah, Jalen Brunson. You're <laughs> oh no! Four, uh, you're paying him 105 million dollars over four years. You're paying him like a little over 25 million dollars a year. Jalen Brunson's not a 25 million dollar a year player. That's just that's just facts. You, you sound you sound like the spiteful ex, my friend. <laughs> I mean, hey, hey, we we offered him four 105, which is like I I would say that's his market value, like 18 between 18 to 25 million dollars a year, like well with the you 8% offered him four 105. And he signed four one oh four. No, we offered him five one oh five. And ah, he took gotcha. four one oh four. Four one oh four. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. The absolute the most he would have made with Dallas is twenty-five. The least he would have made with New York is twenty-five mil. Gotcha. All right. I said quickly, worst value contracts. It's a guy I love, but unfortunately, I don't love That's him being 37, 37 years old. It's just PJ Tucker. So PJ Tucker joining joining his best friends daryl morey and james harden in philadelphia uh on a three-year 33 million dollar deal look i love pj he's a great player uh but at this stage of his career being 37 years old barely able to shoot and like good for 20 minutes in the playoffs and that's about it and nothing in the regular season paying him 11 million dollars a year is a lot so he's gonna be 40 that he's gonna be 40 when this contract is done yeah i don't i don't love it i Good for PJ. Love the guy. Would not do it if I was Daryl Morey, but hey man, he loves him. Be, so that's going to be a lot of sneakers. So good for you, PJ. Let's move on to uh best fits. So this doesn't have to do with anything with the money. This has to do with, we just like how this player is going to fit into this team. Um, going first, I've got slow-mo Kyle Anderson. He left the Memphis Grizzlies and jumped into the Timberwolves. Now this was good when the signing happened. And it actually, I would say, if you're going to talk about Rudy Gobert, this actually got better after Rudy got there. Kyle Anderson is a good basketball defender. He's a very good ball mover. He doesn't stop. And by the way, he doesn't need or take a lot of shots on a team in which you have D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Car Anthony Towns. You kind of want a player who just plays good defense, doesn't stop the ball and doesn't take a lot of shots. And Kyle Anderson is that guy. And they got him for a reasonable contract. I believe it was three years, 18 million question mark. Two, um, two years, 18, I think. Two years, 18 million. Um, either way, solid number for a solid basketball player. I think he'll fit in perfectly. They need a guy to play defense and not take a bunch of shots. And they got that. And they got Gobert. And it made that much more sense, in my opinion. Um, Shaban, best fit. Who'd you like? I yeah yeah I just looked at. I'm, okay, I'm, I'm not. Is, gonna, or is I'm, that what I'm we're doing say, all day? I'm not gonna say. It. I'm not gonna say. It. I'm not gonna say. It, right? <laughs> is that I, what I, we're doing? We're just gonna talk about your team the whole fucking episode. 
<laughs> no, I, I was listener. He I wrote Christian say, Wood with Luca. That's what he wrote in the doc. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. I did write that, but I w- I'm actually gonna say just Dejounte Murray with like Dejounte Murray with Trey Young. Thank uh, you. Like Dejounte Murray is just a Dejounte Murray is an ideal uh, star running mate with Trey Young. He is a playmaking, shot creating, ball handler who plays really good defense. He is exactly what Trey Young needs. And and Trey Young is exactly what he needs. You know, they can create for each, they can create for each other. Uh, Trey can live more so on the three point line, like it, that's his specialty. Dejounte Murray can create off the dribble and those mid range pull ups that he's so adept at. I say it's a perfect fit. Does it? I said, does this sound like he's trying not to say his first name because he's not sure? Does that? Am I crazy? <laughs> it's Dejounte <laughs> Murray. Dejounte. Yeah, that's why I said. Dej- that's why I said Dejounte. Dejounte. It was like Dejounte. Like it was like a little like <laughs> like like uh, maybe what? that's his name. <laughs> Yo, listener, you tell me if he and I just said the same thing, okay? Because <laughs> I don't think we said the same thing just now. <laughs> I think he thinks we said the same thing. Anyway, move on. Um, so I also see that you have a name that we've talked about. So can you be very very quick because we've already talked about this. I'm gonna pivot off. I'm gonna talk about a different guy. Fair so enough. the Thank Warriors you. after losing after losing Gary Payton and Otto Porter. In the offseason, they signed Dante DiVincenzo to a two-year $9.3 million deal. Obviously, losing two defenders and guys that the wing players that they really liked and gave them good wing depth for the Warriors and, and Gary Payton and Otto Porter Jr., they get one of those replaced on a fairly good deal in Dante DiVincenzo. Same prototype, 3 and D player. Uh, he'll, he'll fit into their system very easily. He's he'll very he'll shoot some shooter. threes. He'll play some defense on the wing. That's all, that's all they wanted. They paid him $4.5 million a year. It's a good deal for both sides. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I'm glad you pivoted off. I'd rather talk about that. Very good deal. Very good signing. I unfortunately wanted the Lakers to get him. That did not work out. Whatever. Oh, hey, I'm you got one. You got one. Anderson. You got another yeah, warrior. On I'm your team. so happy. Thanks, bro. <laughs> Worst hey, you're, fits. You're, we're going to move on to worst fits. Uh, Shama, I don't want to hear you made this a Mavericks episode. I hate you for that. Um, the worst fits, uh, I'll be quick. I picked Goran Dragic with the Bulls for about two major reasons. One, why is he not playing with Luka? What the hell is going on? He's been rumored to go to Dallas for, I don't know, basically since Luka was a rookie. And now Luka's in his like fifth year in the NBA and they're still not playing together. And now maybe they never will. Who the fuck knows? And on top of that, they have like 17 guards that do the same thing or do the do better versions of what Dragic is going to do. They've got, correct me if I'm wrong, they've got Lonzo, Alex Caruso, they've got Zach Levine, Ayo Desunmu, Kobe White, and also another ball handler who's a guard but not a guard is DeMar DeRozan. They have six people who play guard on this basketball team, and then they went and signed another one. I don't fucking get it. I, and it's not like they gave him a ton of money. I think it was like one year, 2.1 or 2.3 million bucks. 2.9. 2.9. Thank you, Shaba. 2.9 million bucks. So he signed for a little higher than veteran, veteran minimum. He, I basically took a bit of the taxpayer mid-level exception, I believe is how that worked out. And he didn't make a huge payday to be like, yeah, let me go on a team where I'm what? Never going to play basketball. Or if I do, it's at the cost of someone who probably should be playing more than me. I don't know. Stupid deal. I wish he would have gone somewhere else that would have helped another team. This doesn't make any sense. I hate it. I know Shaban's a little upset about it because it would have been fun to see the two brothers together, but whatever. Um, who Shaban, who you got? Uh, I got Kevin Herter to Sacramento. Poor King. Uh, <laughs> because 
Sacramento Sacramento has much deeper problems than just adding one shooter. Like granted, Kevin Herter is a good is a really good three point shooter at thirty eight percent, but he also happens to be the what the second worst, the third worst defensive player in the entire NBA. And Sacramento is a defensive juggernaut. <laughs> and that Sacramento whole, also happens to be the defense. worst defensive. Yeah, and Sacramento is terrible on defense, and they're really bad on offense, like as a whole. And one person is not gonna change that. Like besides, you know, he's he's probably he'll probably be the only guy besides uh, besides Harrison Barnes that will actually hit threes at a decent clip. I think the only logic that I can come to is one they got him for very little. The Hawks didn't really ask for a whole lot in that trade, at least from my understanding, and then. They needed another guy like Kevin Herter did a pretty decent job being a second or ter- like third ball handler on the team. And they kind of got one, right? They have Fox. Now they have Herter. They also have. Is there another ball handler on that team? That I, I can't think of what. Also, can you think of Davion, what's Davion Mitchell. Davion is he, Mitchell, is he yeah. really a ball handler? I don't know. He's like a defensive I mean, primary guard. I don't know if he's a ball handler per se. And maybe maybe we all sound crazy right now. Listener, you might be beating your 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 face off. Um also real quick, worst fit. I think this one's hilarious because I thought about it too. It's very funny. It's Mo Bamba. Like I, I got home. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. They so kept him for the they song. They just wanted I to guess. keep playing the song in the stadium. They had no interest in the player. Yeah, but they could have done. Why pay him twenty-one million dollars over two years? You could why did he sign in, it? Just plug in fucking Spotify and just play the song, bro. Like it's not, <laughs> it's not that much. Like why you gotta have him in the building for it? it doesn't make any sense. Orlando has. He a just wants to be close things. to Disney, man. It's I, the happiest I, place on earth. Yeah, there, there are so many other places I feel like he could have gone to where he would have gotten like legitimate playing time. But now he's competing with Wendell Carter Jr., who had a really good year on his own in his own right. Um, Jonathan Isaac, Big Man Chumo, Kiki Mo Wagner, and now their number one overall pick, Paolo Bancaro, who's going to be playing the four, maybe even a stretch five if they get crazy with it. There's a lot of minutes to be shifted there, and Mo Bamba had a really good last year. Uh, you know, had a, a, was able to shooting well from the field from three, uh, averaging you know a, a career high in blocks, I think as well. So he had a good year, uh, and so I'm just honestly surprised that he took that deal and no team. There's got to be there are teams that will be probably be throwing him like 13, 15 million dollars and he could have gotten more opportunity. Apparently, I think not. so. Apparently, but not guess, because this deal was signed within what an hour of free agency opening. It's quick, it's quick, right? I yeah. think it was rather quick. So, clearly, his agent either did a shit job or they surveyed the league and this was the best offer available. The only thing I hate about this deal is something you said, Asad. He played 25 minutes per game last year, which I honestly is a little higher than I remember it. I feel like he never got any playing time. He's not like he went back to a scenario in which he didn't get that much playing time to begin with. I wish he would have gone to a better scenario where he got more playing time. Uh, I'm not really sure exactly where that would have been, but it would have been fun to see him on a different basketball team. Charlotte, for example. How about Brooklyn? Brooklyn could have used him. Brooklyn, Portland, Portland played Nurkic four years, $70 million for slow ass broken use of Nurkic. Like you could have given that money to Bamba. Why can't he play next to Sabonis in Sacramento? What am I missing? You know what I'm saying? Like he can stretch the floor. He can shoot threes. That's what I'm saying. Like there's a handful of scenarios where I feel like he would have been a better fit and gotten majority more minutes than he would now, but whatever it is, what it is. Uh, We're kind of done with our segments here. Is there any player that we didn't discuss or a deal we didn't discuss that you just wanted to highlight real quick before we call it? We're getting close to that hour mark anyway. Um, So I kind of want to get out of here, but 
Is there anybody? I mean, look, the one thing that shocked me was uh, the Marvin Bagley three years, 37 million. Who yeah. exactly were just Detroit competing against to keep Marvin Bagley for three years and $37 million? <laughs> I'm not sure. That's the question I ask myself a lot is when I see something, I go, who exactly were you competing against to sign this contract? I'm just, I'm, who's all, throwing three and 37 and Marvin Bagley? All we need to know is that they took Marvin Bagley over Luka Doncic and Trey Young, and that should be the end of this conversation. Well, no, that's we're talking about Detroit, right? Detroit is yeah, what signed. Yeah. yeah, they did not take Bagley over. Well, well, I don't know what they saw like that. The like in Marvin I mean, Bagley. Bagley like, Bagley's last... fine. I don't mind you re-signing Bagley and taking a flyer on a young guy who still could potentially pan out. Three years and thirty-seven is a little more than a flyer, I would say. Um, yeah. What else stuck out? Really, the the both Martin brothers. Good for them. They got a little bit of cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little more than I would argue. Drummond going to the Bulls as a backup was a little interesting. Two years. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember the number, but it wasn't that much. It was like like 12 or 13, something like that. Total. Yeah. I think it was like, it might have been even less than that. I don't remember. Either way, going Lou as a Dort backup to the Bulls. Five years. Lou Dort was a good one. That's what Lou I was going to say. Was, I'm glad you brought that up, Shabon. He signed five years in like 87 million. 87.5. Yeah. Yeah. How do we feel about that? I'm a little, I'm a little not sure how, honestly, I'm kind of on the fence. It's like, uh, I like Lou Dort. Do I like him for this money? But also, like, in three years of this contract, the NBA salary is going to go up, the cap will go up, and then this contract won't look as bad because it really won't, right? Like, $17 million today that he gets paid is probably worth $13 million three years from now based on the salary yeah, I mean, projections. They, they, must really like, they must really like his development and considering how he really drastically improved his three-point shooting from a couple years ago to now. Um, and obviously defensively, he's been really, really good. I mean, so I like, I like Lou, but like, what does he do on a good basketball team? This is the question. Like, it's really easy to be good on a bad basketball team with opportunity. I mean, like you, like you put, like you talk about like a guy like OG and Obi, right. Who can, who's known as like a three and D premier defender and can all do the same things. I think Lou Dort is in the upper echelon of three and D players in our league. And in the, him being so young, the thunder paid him that well, way and are banking on that. That's fair. Um, the, yeah. other, the other one that stuck out was, uh, what's his face? Bruce Brown to the Nuggets. Love that. Good, I like good that move. a lot. Good move. That's a well, yeah, Nuggets, that's a- Nuggets, good offseason. Honestly, good offseason. Eh, decent offseason, but I like I like that. I like that pickup a lot. Uh, Bruce Brown was like a small ball five in some ways, and now he has Jokic playing the actual five, but on offense can kind of still slash and cut, and eh, that'll be fun. Um, Shaban, anything else stick out to you, man? Uh, let's see. Ricky Rubio went back to the Cleveland for three Yo, he years. Got, he got good money too. Like he got relatively yeah. good money. Uh, more than I expected him to get. That's for sure. Also, how do you feel about the Jay Sean Tate extension? What three years they gave him? Yeah, they gave him a three year extension. Uh, the number, uh, it wasn't too bad. Uh, they, they really liked Jay Sean Tate. Um, and I mean, I like him as well. I like Jay Sean Tate. I think he's good, a good quality good, NBA yeah, player. 30, 20, three year, 22 million. So yeah, it seems relatively low risk. Good, good value. It's the same concept that the, the modern NBA just there's so many like wings and three and D players that are always in demand. So him being that young and being able to do that and, and Jay Sean showed flashes and it's a young Rockets team. There's a lot of opportunity and the contract isn't like that, that bad where it's going to hurt, even if he does suck. So I think it's a fair deal. And if not, it's just, there's more upside. Mm-hmm. And Shabon real quick, yeah. Mitchell Robinson, four years, I believe 60. How do you feel real quick? And then let's get out of here. I like the deal. I like Mitchell Robinson a lot. He's I find him to be one of the most underrated centers in the league. He's a very he's a bona fide shot blocker in every aspect. Uh, he's just great interior, great interior presence all around. I love like I love Mitchell Robinson. 
I, I just laughed because every time I hear the word bona fide, I think of that clip of Stephen A. Smith calling Kwame Brown a bona fide bona fide scrub. scrub. Bonafide scrub. <laughs> exactly. No anyway, disrespect listener, to the dude. <laughs> listener, thank you for listening to another episode of the Hoopologist podcast. Uh, we'll probably see you next week, and then we'll do some more free agency roundup. By then, maybe Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are on different teams, or maybe who knows? Who, I don't even know. The NBA is ever changing, and that's why this is fun. In the meantime, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Take care. See ya. Later. Peace.